What is up everyone, it's Quinn here, and over the next few days, I'm gonna be updating and expanding my 2023 fantasy football rankings. So today we're gonna to be focused on the running back position. I believe the last time I did running back rankings, it was top 30. Today we're gonna to be expanding it to top 36. So we're gonna be adding some players onto the back end. And then there've also definitely been some shakeups within my original top 30. So that's what we're getting into today. We're also gonna be splitting these players up into different tiers. So just going tier by tier, you know, kind of showing you guys how I have these players grouped together. As always, I wanna hear your thoughts down below in the comment section. Let me know how you're feeling about these rankings. Who do you think should be higher? Who do you think should be lower? And if you do enjoy the video, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. It really does help me out a ton. But let's just jump right into tier one. We're gonna have three tier one running backs. It's going to be Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Robinson, and Austin Eckler. For Christian McCaffrey, I understand his splits with Mitchell in the lineup were not great. 15.3 points per game with Elijah Mitchell, 28.2 without. But for Christian McCaffrey here, it just comes down to, I'm not gonna let a four game sample size scare me off of the clear highest ceiling running back, right? Like the four games he was with Mitchell, the numbers weren't great. But if you look at the six without him, I mean, 28.2 PPR points per game, there's not a running back who can even come close to touching that, you know, over a full season. McCaffrey's averaged just under 30 points per game in a full 16 game season. So I'm just gonna take that elite ceiling of Christian McCaffrey as my running back one. Then with Bijan and Eckler, I feel like a lot of people are probably gonna favor Eckler, which I think is totally cool. If you want the proven production, I get it. They're super close for me. I'm just willing to take the swing on Bijan because I think if he produces the way I'm expecting, you're just not gonna be able to draft him outside like the top three for the foreseeable future. I see a lot of people saying like, you know, I wanna wait and see it first. I get it, but that's not exactly how it goes, right? Because if you wait, you don't draft him in the mid to back end of the first round. When he hits this year, you're not drafting him in the mid to back end of the second round next year. You're gonna have to spend a top three pick. So I think it's some kind of you know flawed logic, but if you do prefer Eckler, I totally get it. But for Bijan Robinson, he has top 10 draft capital. The last you know six, seven running backs with top 10 capital have a great track record in year one. He's the best running back prospect we've seen since Saquon, and he's stepping in to a run heavy offense. Um, you know, if you guys saw the report about him being third on the depth chart, I have absolutely zero concerns about that. Some teams just handle their rookies differently. Like if we uh, remember back to Justin Jefferson's rookie season, he was listed behind a guy named BZ Johnson. I don't even know if I'm saying that first name right, but teams just handle it differently. You know, some will just bump that dude up. Others will, you know, keep them behind on the depth chart. Everyone does it differently. So zero concerns about that. Then looking at Austin Eckler, I feel like he's probably gonna finish in a similar area as he did the last two seasons. I do think he's gonna regress a little bit in the receiving department, and it's possible the touchdowns come back to reality, but I mean, he's had two big uh, touchdown seasons back to back, so it's possible he stays close to that like 20 touchdown area. Now shifting into tier two, this tier is gonna have Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, and Derrick Henry. And this tier has been pretty constantly shifting throughout the offseason. Saquon Barkley is going to bounce back up to the top of this tier after he had his contract situation uh, resolved. I believe I had him at the bottom of this tier in my last set of rankings because we just didn't know what was going on with his contract. He's back with the Giants. He's going to be playing. We know he has a high-end ceiling, so he will lead this tier. And then I uh, bumped Pollard up a few spots from my last set of rankings. 
I just think JT's contract situation moves him below Pollard. And with still no competition in this Cowboys backfield, I like the upside of Tony Pollard. I think he's going to have a really solid workload. And we know he has that receiving upside compared to a guy like Nick Chubb, who we're kind of hopeful he gets that receiving upside, but we're not exactly positive it's actually going to be coming his way. Right after Tony Pollard, I have Nick Chubb, and I still like Nick Chubb. I think he's going to be a solid option. I still think he has a shot to be involved as a pass catcher, but I just kind of realized that I can't be putting him ahead of guys like Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley, who I know are going to be very involved as pass catchers versus Nick Chubb, where like in an ideal world he's involved, but it's certainly not a guarantee here in 2023. And then behind Nick Chubb, I have Jonathan Taylor. And I don't really know what to make of the JT contract slash pup issue. It does seem like he's going to be returning to camp sometime this week. I don't think we have a certain day. I think the head coach was basically like, he'll show up sometime this week. Personally, I just am strongly leaning towards some sort of resolution happening, whether it's him figuring out his contract, returning to play for the Colts, or if he ends up getting traded, like I think that's fine also for fantasy. But I do think I have to drop him, you know, just a little bit due to the uncertainty. He probably drops a little in my overall rankings, but I don't know if I'd move him up any higher than this, um, even if he gets the contract spot figured out. Like I think you could argue him, Nick Chubb, him, Tony Pollard, maybe even Saquon Barkley. But all these dudes are going to be very close together without contract issues. And then wrapping up this tier with Derrick Henry, I did end up bumping Derrick Henry up into this tier. I definitely think he has some risk baked in just with his age, his usage throughout his career. He has the most touches of any active running back. And then also he has experienced a little bit of a drop in efficiency, but he's also been a top four running back in points per game in each of the last four seasons. So I think this ranking is like a fair balance between his clear upside that we've seen, but then also some of the risks that uh, come with him this season. Now, moving into tier three, this is a tier where at one point it felt super strong. Like if you were getting these dudes at the two, three turn, you would feel ecstatic about it. It's going to be Ramondre Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall, and Jameer Gibbs. I definitely think this tier has taken a little bit of a hit, um, but I still think it could have some decent options long-term. So starting off with Ramondre Stevenson, it looks like the Patriots are still somewhat interested in bringing in running back depth. But reports have indicated they're not interested in like spending legit money on the position, which would probably rule out Delvin Cook, which I think definitely would have been the worst case scenario. Because if you're going to come in, pay Delvin Cook real money, you're probably going to be expecting some sort of committee with Delvin Cook and Ramondre Stevenson, which is obviously not great if you're uh, drafting Ramondre for fantasy. I still think they could bring in a guy like, you know, Zeke or Fournette, which may be like a slight downgrade for Ramondre Stevenson, but I really can't imagine like the shells of those guys coming in and really like meaningfully eating into Ramondre Stevenson's touches. I still think he has the opportunity to be a three down workhorse and he showcased that pass catching upside last year. So uh, Ramondre is going to lead this tier. Then we have Josh Jacobs. And just like with Jonathan Taylor, I'm leaning towards Jacobs, like figuring this out and playing week one. I just don't think it makes sense for him to sit out an entire season, pass up on that franchise tag money just to hit free agency, and then probably, you know, face the same struggles on trying to get a long-term deal. It just doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. My concern though for Josh Jacobs is that even if he plays in week one, if he doesn't have a long-term deal locked in with the Raiders and the Raiders like aren't contending for a playoff spot, which personally, like I don't really think they're going to be in that mix. What stops Josh Jacobs from just shutting it down in week 
13, 14, 15, right? Like if the team's not competitive, he's got a little bit of a nagging injury. Why is he going to go out there and risk a future extension, you know, just to win for a, you know, four and 10, five and nine team. Like, I think that's really where the issue comes in with Josh Jacobs is that he really could be a high end running back one for you throughout the entire season. And then he might just, you know, kind of pack it in towards the end of the season. And I'm not saying it's like a negative for him, like who could blame him, but that could really end up sinking your fantasy team. So I think it's a risk we just have to kind of factor in here. And it's a tough call because he's coming off a 19.3 point per game season. You expect him to have that same huge workload. And without the contract stuff, like if he was locked in long-term, he would easily be in tier two for me. I just think it's stuff we have to uh, kind of consider here, unfortunately. And then we have uh, Brees Hall. And all offseason, it looked like Brees Hall was going to be on track to return week one. I was very high on him. I think I had him in tier two, maybe in the last video, if not two rankings videos ago. And I still don't think it's off the table that he returns in week one. But starting off uh, training camp on the pup list, definitely not a great sign. It does seem like the Jets are being smart about this, though. They're not trying to rush him back. And I'm probably still going to be very in on Hall at his price. But I definitely had to drop him below Ramondre and below um, Josh Jacobs. And then to wrap up this tier with Jameer Gibbs, I have a full video talking about Jameer Gibbs as a uh, must-draft running back. I expect him to expand on Swift's role last season, which was already able to give Swift high-end RB2 production. So now you're bringing in someone that the Lions are way more invested in. They spent the 12th overall pick on this dude. I think he's a better pass catcher. I think he's probably also a better pure runner. I think from day one, Gibbs is going to be one of the best pass catchers at the running back position. So I'm very in on uh, Jameer Gibbs here. And I think he's a great option in the third or fourth round. Now, moving into tier four, this is going to be a three-man tier. We've got Joe Mixon, Travis Etienne, and Najee Harris. And I do have a pretty difficult time kind of differentiating between these three guys. They all are kind of in different spots here. Starting off with Joe Mixon, I do have him leading this tier, but it does feel like his range of outcomes is very, very wide. He's coming off of back-to-back mid-tier running back one seasons. The Bengals offense should once again be one of the best in the NFL, and he has less competition than he did last year now that Samaj P. Ryan is gone. So you lay all of that out, you're like, why isn't this dude getting you know, ranked in tier two? Why isn't he a top 10 running back? And the issue is that he may honestly just be cooked at this point in his career. He finished 1.9 at PPR points per game below expected last year. When we look back to 2021, if you guys aren't super familiar with that stat, basically like you take a guy's volume, their opportunities, and they get an expected points per game. So he drastically underperformed that. And you may think like, you know, how does that relate to anything? Is that important? When I looked back to the 2021 season, there were four running backs in the top eight of expected points per game who uh, finished below expected. Those four guys were Najee Harris, Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, and Alvin Cook. Najee Harris once again repeated a very inefficient season, and then we saw pretty serious fall-offs from Kamara, Fournette, and Cook. So I don't think it's a great sign. I think we're definitely in a spot where Mixon may be like completely falling off as a player. This might be like a Zeke situation. The difference though with Zeke is that there's not like competition there to really challenge him. So that's the tough thing here. We saw those other guys take big steps back in 2022. I do think Mixon is probably going to be locked into a ton of volume, especially early on in the season. But I also just think it could be taken away at any time. Like even if they bring in a veteran like Fournette, 
is he that much worse than Joe Mixon at this point? I just think his volume is very fragile. It feels like at the end of the season, he's either going to be a massive value or a huge bust. Like, I think there's probably not going to be much of an in-between. Like, if the Bengals just never bring in competition and none of those other backs on the depth chart really step up, then he's probably just going to volume his way to another mid-tier RB1 season. On the other hand, like if they bring in a guy like Fournette or even like a Chase Brown steps up or like a Travion Williams, if these guys end up breaking out and taking into his role, then I feel like he could end up just being a huge disappointment for fantasy. So it really just depends on how the Bengals kind of play this thing. I think he's worth the risk at probably like early round four, maybe. I don't know if you're actually going to be able to get him there, especially on like your ESPNs or your Yahoos, but just something to kind of consider there. And then we have um, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. I have uh, Etienne ranked above Najee. And compared to consensus, I'm going to be pretty low on both of these guys. But for Etienne, it's just a little bit easier for me to kind of see the appeal because statistically, Etienne was one of the best runners in the NFL last year. And I also personally believe that he has the skill set to be a very strong pass catcher in the NFL. I mean, we saw it in college, he caught passes in college. Unfortunately, it just hasn't translated into the NFL. And the problem is that I can believe that ETN is a solid pass catcher, but if the Jaguars don't believe that, their decisions certainly don't you know, match that they are confident in him as a pass catcher. I think it's tough for Travis Etienne's fantasy upside. I think Bigsby can weasel his way in for like goal line opportunities and receiving work. Um, you know, it seems pretty likely that Travis Etienne takes a lot of the work between the 20s, but unfortunately, those are the least valuable touches for fantasy, right? The most valuable touches are the goal line opportunities and the receiving opportunities. If Etienne's not getting those, it's going to be really tough for him to live up to his uh, current price. But if the Jaguars do end up just committing to Travis Etienne, he could definitely end up being a, a really nice pick. And then to wrap up this tier, we have Najee Harris. And the problem that I have with Najee is that I just think for him to pay off, he's going to need to secure his rookie season workload. And after two inefficient seasons in 2021 and 2022, along with Jalen Warren kind of breaking out and impressing as the running back to last year, I just don't really see the incentive for the Steelers to just go out and force feed Najee again, right? Like if you're just stepping back, you're looking at this situation, you draft a first round running back, you give him a huge workload as rookie year you know, he's, I guess, all right, but he's pretty inefficient with those opportunities. Then the next year, you give him a smaller workload. You have a running back two that was more efficient than him. Why are all of a sudden heading into year three, you're going to go out and take away those opportunities from Jalen Warren and give it back to a guy who hasn't proven he can be efficient in his first two seasons. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I think Jalen Warren's going to be involved. I think he's going to be eating into that receiving upside of Najee Harris, which is going to hurt him for fantasy. And in the area where we're seeing Najee being drafted, I would just much rather be hammering the uh, wide receiver position, like when we're talking about overall player rankings. Now shifting into tier five, this is going to be another three-man tier. Got J.K. Dobbins, Aaron Jones, and Damian Pierce. With J.K. Dobbins, despite the weird like contract slash injury issue. Don't even really know what's going on there. I still like him at the top of this tier. When healthy, J.K. Dobbins is one of the best runners in the NFL. I also think he has the upside this season to expand on his receiving usage with a new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, coming in. Then for Aaron Jones, he's a guy I'm probably not going to have a ton of shares on just because I can't really get interested in him in like the fourth round, which is where he goes pretty consistently. But I still think he deserves to be ranked as like a mid-tier RB2. He's probably not going to have a massive ceiling in this current Packers offense, 
along with A.J. Dillon in the backfield. But he's a guy who constantly overperforms like his expected workload. He's incredibly efficient, and he's been that way throughout his entire career. I don't really see why that changes here in uh, 2023. And then to wrap up this tier with Damian Pierce, I'm honestly like kind of surprised people aren't higher on him. It seemed like he had a lot of like very loyal fans last season, both heading into the season and throughout the year. He impressed as a rookie. And heading into this season, his only competition is Devin Singletary. Like, I don't think it would be crazy for him to carve out a significant workload. I just think it's weird because there were so many people who were high on him last year. They thought he was a really strong running back. It's like if he is that guy that everyone thought he was last year, Devin Singletary should not be the guy who's holding them back. So I do think it's possible this is some sort of committee. But I also think Damian Harris may just straight up beat him out for a uh, three-down workload. Now, moving into Tier 6, this is going to be a massive tier and full transparency. Like This tier was nearly impossible to work through. I think all these guys have arguments for like decently high ceilings and big workloads, but they all just come with like glaring red flags to go along with it. So my tier six is going to be Kenneth Walker, Alvin Kamara, Javante Williams, Rashad White, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, James Conner, Alexander Madison, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, and James Cook. So starting out with Kenneth Walker, definitely going to be way lower on Kenneth Walker than consensus. When I just look at this backfield, I think Charbonnet is going to come in. At the very least, he's going to take the receiving workload. I would also favor him at this point in the offseason to take over that goal line work. I just can't be spending like round three through five capital on a player I think is going to be an early down grinder. If I wanted a piece of this backfield, I would much rather just wait until like round nine and snag Zach Charbonnet. Then we have Alvin Kamara, and he only got hit with a three-game suspension, so I think he's definitely a riser in these rankings. I think a lot of people are expecting somewhere between like four and eight, so three-game suspension doesn't seem that terrible, and when I'm projecting like when he's on the field, I'd be expecting like mid-tier running back two production, so I think ranking him as what, what is this, like the running back 20, you know, I think it kind of makes sense. Um, for Alvin Kamara. And even in a down season last year, he still was the running back 13 in points per game while only scoring four touchdowns in 15 games. So I feel like on certain platforms, he's being treated like he's just totally done. Um, And I do think his workload is probably going to be a little bit smaller. He's probably going to be splitting carries with Jamal Williams. Maybe Kendra Miller gets in on that mix, but I still think he's going to dominate the receiving work and is still going to be decently involved on the ground. So I'm willing to draft him here, even with that uh, three-game suspension. Then next up, we have Javante Williams. And with him trending towards playing week one, I definitely had to move him up from my last set of rankings. I think if Javante Williams wasn't coming off an ACL tear, he'd probably like at the latest be picked round four, maybe like early or sorry, round three maybe like early round four as the very latest. So I think this ranking here kind of factors in his risk versus if he can get healthy, like I think he's going to end up being a huge steal at this current price. Then we have uh, Rashad White. And I feel like this is where we start to get into the spot of these players where it's like they could be the workhorse or they could just be a part of a big committee. Um, And I do want to preface Rashad White by saying, I believe he left practice with injury yesterday, but at the time that I'm recording this, it does not appear to be serious. Obviously, if he's missing time, he could definitely end up uh, moving down here. But when we're looking at the other guys in this tier, like I said, people try to make the argument these guys have like that large three down workload potential. I think of those guys, Rashad White probably has one of the more realistic paths to it. He has the workhorse size. He's a solid pass catcher. 
and his competition is pretty much non-existent. So I think he has all the skills to command that workload. I think if the Bucks want to give it to him, I think he could definitely end up having that workload throughout the season. Then we have David Montgomery, who I think week to week is going to be a fringe, like running back two, always around that running back 24 area. I think he's going to see like a decent workload on the ground. He's going to take that Jamal Williams goal line work from last year. And then I think he has the extra added in upside where if Jameer Gibbs goes down, David Montgomery easily becomes a running back one for fantasy. Next up is going to be Miles Sanders. And I will say I'm coming around on Miles Sanders just a little bit here. I moved him up to my running back 24, probably still going to be a little bit lower than consensus. Um, I'm still not confident he's locked into a three down roll, but I do recognize that the Panthers went out. They invested him in free agency and all the reports about his role have been very encouraging, you know, throughout camp, the way the coaches talk about him. I mean, even the way he talks about his role. So I have been critical in the past, uh, past videos about his pretty brutal receiving efficiency with the Eagles. Like, I still don't think he's some sort of great pass catcher who like is locked into the receiving role, you know, automatically. But I do think it's possible that his lack of efficiency is more due to like, Jalen Hurts, Eagles offense in general, just not really involving the running backs. And if the Panthers believe he's a solid pass catcher, then in reality, that's all that matters because he'll get those opportunities there. And then we have James Conner, and I did move James Conner down a little bit. Um, He kind of just feels like Joe Mixon on a bad offense. And as gross as it may be to pick him, like all these other guys in this tier, if they finish as a running back one in fantasy, they would end up being a massive hit, right? If you're drafting someone around running back 20 or later and they end up as a top 12 guy, you're going to feel great about that pick. James Conner has been a top nine running back in points per game each of the past two seasons. The Cardinals have just gone out. They have force fed him. He still has zero competition in his backfield. And if Kyler makes an earlier season return, this offense may not be like totally horrific throughout the season. The downside with James Conner here is that I just don't think he's all that great. Like he's been incredibly inefficient the past two seasons and he has that volume, but like overnight, the Cardinals could just take away that volume. They could just give it to Keontae Ingram. They could give it to some other running back, you know, they pick up in free agency. So I think if they give him that workload, he's going to end up being a huge hit at this price. But I also think we have to factor in the risk that like that volume could just be completely gone. Whereas the players ahead of him, Sanders, Montgomery, Rashad White. Like, I don't see these guys completely like falling out of their offenses. Maybe they don't get workhorse roles, but at the very least, they're going to be somewhat fantasy relevant. Um, Then the next running back is going to be Alexander Madison. Definitely lower than consensus on Madison. I think the obvious upside is that he's just going to come in, slide into that Dalvin Cook workload. Personally, I'm not buying into that. I think it's a little naive to expect that. If you're someone who's truly a believer in the talent of Alexander Madison and you think he'll maintain a huge workload if the Vikings go out and signed a veteran like Leonard Fournette, I think they're talking to Kareem Hunt. Like if you think one of those signings doesn't impact Alexander Madison at all, then I think, you know, sure, go ahead draft him. You seem very confident. From my perspective, I just don't have a ton of confidence that if those guys come in, that he's just going to blow them away, which in my opinion makes him like an easy fade. Like if you're going to draft him in round five and all of a sudden Leonard Fournette gets signed, Kareem Hunt gets signed, and all of a sudden this turns into a committee, like he probably wasn't ever worth a fifth round pick in the first place. So that's why I'm going to be lower on him. But I do understand the appeal of why some people are interested in him. 
Next up, we have Cam Akers. And with Cam Akers, we pretty much just want to see the role he had in the three-game stretch to end the 2022 season. The obvious issue with Cam Akers is that same thing with a lot of these guys, right? The Rams could give him that workload, but are they going to, right? Akers was a massive disappointment pretty much up until the last three games last year. You had guys like Darrell Henderson, Kyron Williams, Ronnie Rivers getting snaps ahead of Cam Akers. So he could be the lead back or he could just, you know, get involved to some sort of like gross kind of committee here with the Rams once again. Then we have DeAndre Swift, and I could definitely hear an argument for DeAndre Swift to be higher. I think if he emerges as the lead back for the Eagles, that would obviously be massive for his uh, you know, fantasy upside. I just feel like the Eagles were pretty much like worst case scenario uh, in terms of a landing spot when you look at DeAndre Swift's skill set. The Eagles straight up do not pass to their running backs. You could argue DeAndre Swift is the best pass catcher you know they have or they, they've had in the last few years. But I mean, they had Kenneth Gainwell, who was a great pass catcher. And I'm not saying he's better than Swift, but like it's not like they went out and really made any sort of like effort to get him super involved as a pass catcher. I just don't really see why they stray away from what was so successful last season. And then if you're looking at like DeAndre Swift trying to break in a role as like a pure runner, I think a healthy Rashad Penny is clearly the best runner on this roster. And then you have Kenneth Gainwell, who's just been with the Eagles over the past few seasons. They like him. They were using him pretty heavily in the playoffs. Um, I kind of just feel like it's an uphill battle for Swift to really get uh, like significant work in this offense. I love DeAndre Swift as the player. I just don't like the situation here with the Eagles. And then to wrap up this tier, we have James Cook. And James Cook, another guy who's a part of a pretty ambiguous backfield with the Bills, he should be the receiving option. His ceiling and upside will really just come down to how big of a role he can carve out on the ground. And then moving into my seventh and final tier, we're going to have Isaiah Pacheco, Zach Charbonnet, Devin A. Chain, Rashad Penny, Khalil Herbert, Delvin Cook, Antonio Gibson, and A.J. Dillon. So we're really getting into the uh, ambiguous backfield situation. That tier above was like ambiguous backfield, but probably the guys that are clearly going to be leading. I think this tier is kind of just all over the place. So we start off with Pacheco, and he should have the opportunity to kind of replicate his role that he had towards the end of last season. That role was decent volume on the ground and then pretty much like zero receiving work. He's a guy who's going to be super reliant on touchdowns. And I just, you know, it's tough for me to really buy in completely. I think a lot of people think he's in that tier with tier six, it just feels like a lot of things could go wrong, right? He could get that workload on the ground. If you're not getting receiving work, if you don't hit in the touchdown department, it could be a flop season, even if you have a strong workload. I also think there's just other guys on this roster that may just kind of nip at that workload and just make it kind of a gross spot for fantasy. Then we have Zach Charbonnet, and I talked about him earlier. I love Charbonnet as like a round nine, round 10 pick. I can see him taking the receiving work and having a crack at the goal line opportunities. I mean, like when we're looking at it, if he gets the receiving work and the goal line work, that could end up being a very, very valuable role in the Seahawks offense that could lead to him being a weekly option. I do think that's kind of in the cards, um, you know, for Zach Charbonnet. And then we have Devin A-Chain. And I'll just say that if the Dolphins do not sign Dalvin Cook, I'm going to be all in on A-Chain. He's a freak athlete, a big play machine, also a very competent pass catcher. So I do have a lot of confidence that without Dalvin Cook, he's going to be able to carve out a role in this backfield if it's only Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert that he is competing with. 
Next up, we have uh, Rashad Penny. And like I talked about with DeAndre Swift, I think a healthy Rashad Penny is the best runner on this team. And I would not be shocked if he slid into that Miles Sanders role from last year. Injuries are always a concern with Rashad Penny, but when he's healthy, he is truly one of the best runners in the NFL. Then we have Khalil Herbert, and I am honestly kind of open to moving Herbert up even more if he continues to look like the clear-cut running back one for the Bears. He played every snap with the starters in their uh, first game. He also had like a huge receiving touchdown. I feel like that's why people are super in on him. Um, obviously, that's you know great to see, but that's not even why I'm moving him up here. I just thought this was going to be some sort of gross committee with Herbert, Foreman, Roshan Johnson. Through one preseason game, it looks like Khalil Herbert has just separated himself as the guy. He was one of the best pure runners in the NFL last year, led the NFL in rushing yards over expected per attempt, whereas David Montgomery, I believe, was in the negatives. So Dave Montgomery, someone widely regarded as a very strong running back, Khalil Herbert blew him out of the water as a uh, runner last year. So I think if he can maintain that role, I could definitely see me like moving him up to potentially even like the top of this tier. Um, And then we've got Delvin Cook, who still has not found a landing spot. And I just think for Delvin Cook here, there's one landing spot that I think would move him up for fantasy. That would be the Dolphins. If he goes to the Dolphins, he probably shoots into that tier six area, if I had to guess. But if he doesn't go to the Dolphins, I mean, what other spot is he going to have a starting role like with a team? I just don't think it's super likely. And like Dalvin Cook is like a running back too. He's kind of becoming, I guess, a guy who has somewhat weekly value, but probably more of just a handcuff at that point. Next up, we have Antonio Gibson. And I totally acknowledge that this commander's backfield is pretty much a mystery. Antonio Gibson could be the guy. Brian Robinson might be the guy. It could be some sort of gross combination. I just feel like of these two options of Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, if Antonio Gibson gets that spot, I just think he has way more upside than Brian Robinson due to his receiving ability. Then we have um, AJ Dillon to close out these rankings. I think he's actually my running back 37, but I did just want to throw him in there because I feel like people would be surprised if he was uh, left off. And this may seem low for AJ Dillon. He just honestly is like a pretty uninspiring pick for me here. I feel like AJ Dillon comes with the illusion that he's way better than a standard handcuff because he's going to have that weekly workload. And I do agree that he's going to have a weekly workload, but I'm really not sure like practically he's actually much better than a standard handcuff because last year, right? Saw a nice workload week to week. He averaged under 10 PPR points per game last year. In most leagues, like in your 12-team league, 9.9 points per game is not startable in PPR formats. So even if he's getting that workload, if you can't actually start him, like does it even matter if he's getting weekly volume compared to some other handcuff who will step into the workhorse role if their starter goes down? That's what I'm kind of talking about here where it's like in best ball, I think it's more interesting because if he has a weekly workload, he has opportunities to hit in the touchdown department. But in your normal fantasy leagues where you know you have to actually go out and start him either as your running back two or your flex option, I just don't know if you're ever actually going to want to start him in your lineup. Also, you have Aaron Rodgers gone, Jordan Love coming in. Like, Is he actually going to improve on his production from last year? I think he has the upside with an Aaron Jones injury. But other than that, like I'm not super excited about him and I'm not really buying into him being a weekly flex option with Aaron Jones healthy and in the lineup. So that is going to wrap it up for my top 36 running backs. 
I think I said I was going to try to make this one a little bit quicker. Don't think it uh, really played out that way. But uh, I hope you guys did enjoy the video. Let me know what you think about these rankings. Going to be putting out my top 36 wide receivers tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all for stopping by. And I will see you in the next one.